G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our special presentation today, a preview of tomorrow's Victorian state election. And two more guest commentators joining us now. Lee Jones, who is Family First Party lead candidate for an upper house seat. He represents the southeastern metropolitan region. And Peter Stevens is Family Voice Australia, Victorian State Director. Uh, welcome to you, uh, Lee. Thank you, Neil. Pleasure and, to be here. And welcome to you, Peter. Good morning, Neil. Uh, we've spoken a fair bit uh, over our beginning of our commentary. Uh, Lee, get into the nitty-gritty with us here. Uh, Family First Party, there's been a revival. Uh, we've seen a strong showing back in the South Australian election. The focus is now on Victoria for the Victorian state election. You are the lead candidate for an upper house seat, the southeastern metropolitan region. Uh, one of the things that you've been very strong in your campaigning is around issues of biological truth. It's these issues of uh, of pro-life and the issue of abortion. How important is this for you and for listeners to our conversation today to be aware uh, thanks, Neil. Great question. Uh, one of the things that, that's become very clear to us as we've campaigned across the state is that Victorian households are largely unaware of some of the very radical laws that have been brought in by the current Dan Andrews government. Uh, so particularly laws that allow uh, uh, the transitioning of children uh, from one gender to another, uh, in some cases without the parents' knowledge or consent. Uh, the the teaching of radical uh, gender theory uh, to children in schools, starting at kindergarten, uh, is now standard across the state. Uh, and that's, that teaches kids that um, uh, they are not necessarily biologically, oh, sorry, not necessarily a boy or a girl. No one can tell them what gender they are. They can pick their own gender. Uh, and and we're, we're very concerned that um, nothing in the, the mainstream parties uh, talks about this sort of stuff. Uh, and, and critically, most recently, and perhaps even most egregiously, uh, the introduction of the, the Change and Suppression Bill, which means that um, anyone that seeks to uh, speak to a young person that is expressing gender confusion is not allowed to do, on, the, on the, the penalty of going to jail, anything other than affirm a likely transition of gender. So for a parent uh, who has uh, a child come home and, and say, um, oh, I'm, I, I, you know, uh, I, I'm a boy, but I think I might be a girl. If you simply say, look, just wait and see, or if you try and counsel them to, uh, to think that that's probably not true, uh, then that, um, that does two things. Uh, that makes you uh, a criminal in the eyes of the change in suppression of law. And it can also uh, make you, uh, <laughs> basically, uh, have you defined uh, as an abusive parent. So there's some really, really egregiously serious things that are going on in our in our state, and most people don't know about them. 
Peter Stevens, you're lobbying, you're meeting people, you're pressing the flesh with politicians, with candidates, you've got your own following in Victoria, Family Voice Australia, these sorts of things that Lee is sharing. Are you coming across this too? People are just unaware or they're oblivious, they're ignorant to the fact that these things have engulfed Victoria. I think they're becoming more aware very quickly, Neil. It's kind of ironic that here in Victoria, uh, we are permitted by law to change our gender on our birth certificate uh, once a year. And yet it's illegal to counsel somebody uh, to or even to pray for somebody um, when they're considering or even ask for help in not to change gender. Um and just uh, yeah, just going a little bit further with that one, I was with a beautiful Christian couple uh, just the other day um, as part of my travels around Victoria and an older couple, but they were saying that their 24-year-old granddaughter had had her breasts removed um, in the endeavour to become what she believed was necessary to become a man. And I think it's just horrific what is being pushed this um, gender theory and the law around suppression practices, Neil, is all intended to push Victorians towards um, gender confusion. There's no uh, redress for people who want to actually um, get involved in um, advising on that issue. Lee Jones, Family First Party in Victoria. Uh, It's part of what you do in Family First. You're not afraid to say the things that everyday Australians think, uh, but no longer allowed to say in the state of Victoria. You must look and shake your head at uh, the Labor government and at the Liberal opposition because people are not necessarily reflecting what voters might be thinking or ordinary Christian people might be thinking about some of these issues. What are your thoughts here about the value of a family first party, especially in an upper house uh, after tomorrow's vote? Well, Neil, family first is a critical part of the mix in the upper house in the coming uh, parliament. The challenge we have with the Liberals as an alternative government to uh, to the current Labour government is that Matthew Guy has come out and said that the change and suppression bill is, quote, a good bill. And he's speaking about that as a bill before it passed into an act of parliament. And he's committed to not changing that in the upper house. So we see in the announce of policies between Liberal and Labour on the social issues that regular folk care about, people of of Christian faith, uh, Muslim faith, and Jewish, and so on, but also people of just regular traditional values, the values that have upheld us as a society for 200 years. Uh, these things um, uh, th- these things are being undermined, and the Liberals are not necessarily going to help us. So we need a strong voice in Parliament to be able to call these things out continuously and speak into our political, uh, spiritual, uh, and uh, cultural uh, state mindset just to say these things are going on, to challenge them, to challenge the, the fact that they are wrong, that they are immoral, they are dangerous, and particularly that they are harmful. They're harmful to young people, they're harmful to the unborn, and they're harmful to the elderly.
Well, with the scenarios of the outcomes tomorrow, things don't look especially attractive for the Christian voter for what might happen in the lower house. So the upper house is the only bright light where the possibility is that family that uh, that uh, family first uh, will win a seat or two, or that the resurgent. Uh, Labor DLP uh, with some Christian foundations there uh, will hold a balance of power. This is almost like critical, isn't it? Uh, Peter Stevens, what are your thoughts about the upper house and the possibilities of a uh, a crossbench that might hold to some sort of uh, values that might hold back the tide? Well, Neil, I'm really encouraged because there are, um, as you've made away, um, as you've been made aware before, there are many uh, Christians who are standing for upper house seats and um, then Family First has a large number of Christian candidates for the upper house but also there are other parties the Nationals, the Liberals, DLP uh, who have really good solid Christian people who've risen up to stand for these seats and so I'm, I'm really expecting and hoping that many of those Christians will get a seat in our upper house. I really believe that uh, God is doing a significant move of change in our upper house. And while there may be also a large number of our adversaries elected tomorrow, I'm really positive. Neil, you might, just to go back a fraction, um, you might be interested to know that we believe that in our current government, there are only two uh, Christians or two people that I would call committed Christians out of 128 MPs. But there are possibly 20 uh, Christians just aiming for the upper house tomorrow. So I'm actually really excited that there's going to be significant change. Lee Jones, your name is going to be on that ballot for the upper house uh, in the southeastern metropolitan region. There's been all sorts of controversy around how that ballot form can be easily manipulated with election whisperers. How are you saying to your potential uh, voters uh, that they should vote above the line or below the line? For people voting for Family First and supportive of Family First, uh, I would simply say in the upper house, it is best to vote above the line for Family First. Our uh, preference layout uh, has been described by third parties as impeccable. Uh, And we have preferenced entirely and purely uh, based on uh, degrees of alignment in thinking and values. Um, So we have uh, have deals with all the the, the minor conservative uh, and social values parties. Um, uh, So all our preferences will flow through those. Uh, We have uh, preferenced in the upper house uh, Liberal National uh, ahead of Labour uh, and we put the Greens pretty much down the, the, the bottom because of their social policies um, so we uh, we would encourage people to vote two above, uh, sorry, vote one above the line uh, for Family First so one of the reasons we say that is that if people vote below the line something like 25% of people uh, who vote below, vote below the line have their preferences exhausted before they go anywhere useful and so because the social conservative vote is so small, it's important that we host every single vote. Now, I know other, other organisations are saying vote below the line to maximise the effectiveness. The challenge is doing that well 
is complicated. Peter Stevens, who is Family Voice Australia, Victorian State Director, and Lee Jones, Family First Party lead candidate for the Upper House in tomorrow's election. Uh, gentlemen, let me just touch on some things here, and I'll come to you first, Peter Stevens. Uh, issues around integrity. When voters are hearing of the IBAC investigations that are going on, and something like four of those around the Premier Dan Andrews, uh, and even uh, threats of IBAC investigations around Matthew Guy, uh, what does it say about integrity across the board? Uh, Peter, your thoughts first? Yes, you're you're right, Neil. I think four matters under investigation by IBAC um, and I think Victorians are getting very weary of um, corruption in the uh, state government and also by Daniel Andrews' uh, significant losses of memory on all of these subjects. And I think uh, Ian Cook's campaign in Mulgrave, where he's campaigning on uh, Cook being elected rather than Crook, I think is quite significant and a, quite a rise of support for him in, in Mulgrave. So, yes, I think Victorians are actually a little bit over it. I think that we're getting very weary, lockdowns, business closures, a lot of anxiety, skyrocketing energy prices and interest rates. And I think, Neil, a general fear that if we keep going in the same direction, um, we're all going to be suffering a lot, lot more. So, yes, it's a drama. Lee Jones, uh, family first candidate, uh, southeastern metropolitan region. Uh, how much can Victorians take of a lack of integrity before they start to look at some alternatives? What are your thoughts around those IBAC investigations? Uh, I think it's interesting if you compare what happens in, say, New South Wales, where uh, a Premier can lose a position based on a, a relationship or a Minister can lose a position on the basis of, a, of a, an undeclared bottle of wine. And yet down here, Dan Andrews can face multiple IBACs. Uh, and the, the, the way he seems to have the system wrapped up, no one seems to be able to talk about any of this. It's all, uh, it's all, off, um, uh, it's all away from the media. Um, there seems to be a very different rule that applies in the two different jurisdictions. It seems to me that the, uh, the, the, the general smell... Uh, of corruption that's emerging now from Spring Street is such that people are beginning to wake up. And we're seeing that in a, a shift in the polling numbers, and we're seeing that particularly in a shift uh, in, in people's personal views towards Dan Andrews. And in fact, we've seen a fair bit of media here describing uh, Dan as increasingly toxic for the Labour Party. Uh, it would be it would be a great result if we saw the removal of Dan from his seat, from his seat uh, in Mulgrave in this election. The Labour Party uh, has a, a role to play in our society. Uh, all, all the major parties do, and the minor parties do as well. Uh, but the Labour Party uh, is no longer, in my view, the Labour Party. It's the Dan Andrews Party. Uh, he has such a tight control over it, such a large uh, degree of, um, of centralised authority, that really it's just a mob who are doing his personal bidding. Uh, we would love to see the end of that, uh, to, to, to really bring back good uh, democracy into this state. Peter Stevens, uh, your thoughts on leadership and integrity and, uh, you know, some of those nicknames, Dictator Dan, a little bit along the lines of what uh, Lee Jones is sharing there. Uh, sometimes yeah. they seem like a fun caricature, but, uh, but this sort of uh, issue around uh, is the Premier, in fact, a tyrant, uh, some people are asking that. What are your thoughts, Peter? 
Yes, um, I had a chat to my wife uh, recently about this and about Dan's big government. In fact, he reportedly has a bigger team of advisors than the UK Prime Minister. And so my wife said, well, they can't be providing very good advice, um, which is quite funny. But there's a serious side to um, what's going on in Victoria. And I just want to mention, Neil, the um, economic situation here. We're looking at a $200 billion debt. But um, as Terry McCran reported this morning, um, with uh, the Labor government wanting to take over SEC again, um, Terry McCran is saying that that could possibly double the state debt uh, to $400 billion. So at the moment, every Victorian owes around about $30,000 because of our uh, economic situation in Victoria, but that could rise to $60,000 per person. So it's looking like um, not only corruption in a lot of areas of government, but also uh, economic failure. Lee Jones, what are your thoughts around these big economic issues, Uh, the way that state debt has increased under Dan Andrews? What's the family first party position on how things have gone out of control there? It comes down to two things. One is the the amount of work that uh, we are trying to do at the same time, and the other is the value of individual pieces done. So the suburban rail loop is a classic classic example of a massive white elephant. Uh, There's no serious economist that I've been able to read who uh, who supports that. The business case doesn't stack up. Uh, And recently, Dan Andrews, uh, on that televised debate with Matthew Guy, made it clear he can't actually tell us what the cost will be at the end of the day, but it it could well be over $100 billion uh, for for a a rail line that goes about 20-something k's. Those kind of projects become nonsensical. Uh, Part of the challenge uh, of this is that the cost is high because Dan Andrews has tried to, to build so much so quickly. What that does is it stretches the the limited capacity we have in terms of skills and workforce and capital to do that. And that, of course, creates internal competition within the state, which actually drives the prices up. And also, of course, there's Labor's just absolute dismal lack of ability to manage these things. We know a lot of people in the Labor Party now are just career politicians who have no experience managing anything. I mean, they haven't even managed a corner shop. Uh, we need people who've managed businesses, who've managed teams, who've managed major projects. We need people who know what they're doing in government. Uh, and this mob are not, they're hacks. Uh, they're party politicians. They've come out of uni with a with a degree in, in something or other. They've become a staffer for a politician. Uh, they, they, they crave a position in parliament. They win one and they have no life or business or other experience to apply. We've got to change that in our parliament. When you're uh, thinking of both sides and uh, you're not favouring one side over another in some sense as the family first party uh, lead candidate for that upper house seat southeastern metropolitan region when you're thinking of the economic management of the labor party under dan andrews and you're thinking of what sort of policies are up against the labor party from the liberal uh, matthew guy uh, how are you how are you describing both sides because uh, from what i understand uh, under Matthew Guy, uh, there's a even bigger uh, promise for billions to be spent than under Labor. How do you how do you make sense of uh, uh, making uh, a, an assessment of both sides, Lee? 
I think it comes down to a case by case basis. I think I'd like to see every major project referred uh, to to an independent infrastructure arbiter. Uh, like like all uh, uh, organisations or bodies, the, the state of Victoria has a certain capacity to invest at a certain rate. And what we should be doing when presented with a, a range of investment opportunities is 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 going in a fairly simple sense through the business case process and saying, well, where is the highest value available? Now, we know that uh, for any organisation uh, of any substance that wants to do a thing or, or run a thing, um, that there are always more investment opportunities on the table than, than you, have, you can afford to do at once or have the capacity to do. So you have to make uh, an informed choice about where the priorities lie. We do need to invest in our infrastructure. We do need to invest uh, in our hospitals, our roads, railways, air- airports and so on. Uh, but we need to do so in a principled way, which is based on reasonable assess- uh, assessed uh, prioritisations, uh, such that we are not trying to do too much at once, which just uh, drives the price of those projects up. Uh, and uh, redu- it, it, it just means that we end up doing more things which are, are less valuable. So we've got to prioritise them, we've got to do what's really, really important. Um, the investment in the hospital infrastructure in particular uh, requires a lot of careful thought. Simply throwing money at things doesn't always solve the problem. And we've seen that in education, where we've thrown record amounts of money at our education system nationally and at the state level, uh, coupled with a, a huge decline in capability uh, and the performance of our, of our school kids. So there, there's a dual question. Uh, there's a question of prioritising what we need to do, making sure that it is uh, that the business case for the investments that we're making at huge cost with a huge potential impost on our children and even on our children's children, that these things are worthwhile doing. And they're not just um, uh, showcases or flags for Dan Andrews to fly when he comes to be re-elected, saying, oh, look at all the things that we built, look at all the shiny things, which can become a distraction uh, for the underlying social policies that he's bringing in as well. Sometimes we separate an economic agenda for political parties with the social agenda of political parties. Uh, Throw you into the deep end here, Peter Stevens from Family Voice Australia. The connection between where people and parties stand so far as the social agenda goes, I wonder if there's a connection to things going out of control in an economic sense uh, because of uh, bad social agenda. Does that affect bad economic policy, bad economic agendas? Any thoughts from you, Peter, around that? Thanks, Neil. Um I did not mention before, but I think it's important that Victoria has a bigger debt than New South Wales, Queensland and Tasmania combined. Um, And just mentioning the SEC again, it was the privatisation of the SEC by the Jeff Kennett government that actually got Victoria out of debt. And so it's quite frightening uh, that Dan Andrews is considering or even mentioning the fact that he wants to purchase it back and run it by, uh, have government control there. But yes, um, it's important, I think, that we look at the history of the AOP and just briefly, uh, going back to the Second World War, there was a, a strong rise of communism because Australia was allied with communist Russia. Um, and out of that rise of communism, Uh, came strong communist influence in unions and in the ALP. And so, as you remember, Neil, the ALP ALP split in 1955 and the DLP, or was called then the ALP anti-communist, broke off from the ALP. So those two uh, sides of government went forward. One was the communist side of the ALP 
which is the one that still um, runs Victoria today. And then there was the anti-communist side of the ALP, which is now the DLP. And so the ALP has very strong communist or socialist roots. And so part of our socialist agenda is uh, one, to get rid of uh, religion from society so that they can impose their own ideology. But also there's evidence that economically communism or socialism is a disaster for countries like in Russia where um, over the last uh, century more than 100 million people were killed by communism and here we are, the same sort of thing happening in Victoria through abortion, euthanasia. Um, So there is definitely a link, Neil, between the destruction of humanity and families and economic failure through the rise of socialism. Lee Jones, I wonder if you've got anything to add to that, because as Christians uh, listening to our conversation today, thinking about how they'll vote for tomorrow's Victoria state election, thinking about the economics and, you know, isn't it more important to think about who's got the best economic policies? Uh, But what about this social agenda and how that affects the way a state runs? How do you describe uh, connections between uh, having a bad uh, social agenda and how that might affect economics? It's an interesting link to try and draw. Um, I guess there's no point having a great economy if you are not permitted to be born to uh, live to enjoy it. Um, it's, there's no point having a great economy if you're being locked up because you've tried to counsel your, your children against rushing into changing their gender. And there's no point having a great economy if um, uh, you as a Christian school are no longer allowed to recruit people uh, who identify with your ethos uh, and you're being forced by this uh, this ideologically driven government to hire anyone and everyone who fronts up, uh, even those who are uh, ideologically opposed to who you are. Uh, so I, uh, I won't comment on, on the link between bad policy and bad economics, um, well, I think a lot of that, that comes as route down to just the quality of people who are running government. I've already made comment about that for this current Labor government. Um, but there is no point having a great economy if, if people are not free or indeed in some cases not even alive uh, to enjoy the fruits of it. Let's come back to some life issues because these are significant, especially for the voter who has uh, the thought that, uh, you know, Uh, children, uh, men, women, boys, girls, created in the image and likeness of God. That includes babies in the womb. Uh, When you've got the Victorian Liberal leader, Matthew Guy, who has said that uh, Liberal candidate, uh, Renee Heath, uh, who believes that abortion is wrong, uh, will be banned from sitting in the party room if elected. And, of course, there was the issues around Bernie Finn and his expulsion from uh, the uh, the party room, the Liberal Party, and of course he is uh, standing for the DLP. Thoughts here around life issues and just how important they are to get a focus on with the uh, Victorian state election. If I come to you, Peter, what are your thoughts around uh, around those issues of life and uh, certainly the Liberal Party? Yeah, thank you, Neil. Just um, to talk briefly about Renee Heath. I know a number of people over there in eastern Victoria and some of those who belong to the Liberal Party over there and who have um, successfully voted Renee Heath into being a candidate. And the reports coming back from there are that Renee Heath is an absolutely lovely person um, who is really loved by 
the local people. She's very involved in uh, local philanthrop- philanthropy and um, and community. And she's also works really well with her 11 lower house candidates. And so the people over there in Eastern Victoria are very, very grateful to have a beautiful candidate for the upper house like Renee. Um, just on the subject of um, the Liberal Party and life, I this might sound terrible, but I kind of feel a bit sympathetic for um, towards Matthew Guy. And Christians are very, very disappointed by his uh, poor stand on life issues. But I also think about the terrible position that he's been placed into where he's trying to run a party where uh, very few people are actually Christians. And so he's trying to represent the people in his own party. So he's actually caught between a rock and a hard place. And while I don't support his um, his views on life or his public stand against uh, some people who stand for life, I also want to kind of um, be a little bit sympathetic. And um, Neil, the exciting thing about the Liberal Nationals is, and I, I really support Family First and first and what Lee's been saying. But we've got to remember that the Liberal Nationals also have quite a number of really strong Christians coming forward who may be elected. And so while Matthew Guy is a leader and he certainly makes a lot of mistakes, um, we are looking at a whole lot of good Christian people being elected if we support the coalition. And let me say that on the Australian Christian Lobby website, uh, they have a link there for their victoriavotes.org.au site, and there is a list of all of the candidates, lower house and upper house, who will say that they are Christian. So for listeners who are interested in that, uh, check out the Australian Christian Lobby website. Uh, drawing our conversation to a close, uh, let me ask uh, for you gentlemen to uh, give me your gut feeling as to how things will work out uh, after the vote has been cast tomorrow. Perhaps not what your aspiration might be. Uh, let's, uh, you know, maybe Lee, you want to just uh, focus on how you think the lower house will uh, will will turn out. But, uh, you know, there's all sorts of scenarios. Perhaps there'll be a Labor-Greens coalition. Perhaps uh, there'll be uh, something significant happen and the Liberals will win power. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, let me come to uh, Lee Jones first. Your gut feeling about the outcome of tomorrow's election. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, the, th- there's been a huge number of people uh, voting at pre-polls and over 50% of Victorians have already voted. Uh, now, traditional wisdom suggests that, that, that there's not generally good uh, for a sitting government because uh, it implies a mood for change. That said, uh, it, it's difficult to ignore the polling numbers, which have consistently shown a diminishing but a clear two-party preferred win for Labour. Uh, were, were I to be a betting man, I would be looking at probably a hung parliament uh, where there'll be a mixture of independents and some teals, uh, who will be, um, uh, uh, and Greens, of course, uh, who will be there to uh, to try and negotiate uh, a position. It's fairly clear the Greens uh, would not be interested in, in going to coalition uh, with uh, with the Liberals. Um, it'd be very interesting to see the Teals having to reveal their hand in terms of who they actually back, because we, yeah, we really see them as being effectively a front for uh, the, the, the left. Um, there are some good country independents who could come forward. And it'd be interesting to see if, the, if those people pick up on the mood for change. 
so my my prediction would be a minority government. Uh, my hope, my desperate hope, is that Dan himself is unseated, uh, and that there's an opportunity for some sweeping change within the Labour Party, which would make them a lot less unattractive, uh, and um, uh, and the ability to see some more reasoned. Uh, policies coming through uh, in our parliament. Peter Stevens, your gut feel about the outcome tomorrow? Yes, Neil, I think I would pretty much echo what Lee said. We've got to remember that um, this election is one, again, that preference whisperer Glenn Drury is heavily influencing. And his preferences that he um, where parties pay him $55,000 and then have their preference organised by Glenn, uh, kind of tend to go left. And so I absolutely believe that Glenn will, uh, one, as he's promised, make sure that Labor is re-elected, um, as Lee said, I think with a minority government. But this preference, preference uh, whisperer, who some people are saying is more influential in Victoria, Victorian politics than Dan Andrews, um, will, I believe, make sure that there is, as he's promised, a crossbench which supports Labor. So I'm kind of, um, uh, as Martin Isle said, in the natural, uh, thinking that things are not going to go successfully for us. But Victorian politics is a long-term um, project. And as I've said a few times, so many Christians coming into politics in Victoria. And while I kind of predict that this election, we're not going to have majority in the upper house or the lower house uh, to favour us uh, for conservative values. I believe that if we keep praying and we keep working and we keep encouraging people to get into politics in four years or eight years, I really believe that conservatives will again hold power in Victoria. Well, it's one of those challenges, isn't it? And for Christians listening to a conversation like this, uh, to be prayerful for our leaders, uh, whether you like them or not. And uh, for the two guests that we've had on this past 45 minutes, uh, Peter Stevens from Family Voice Australia, he's the Victorian State Director, and Lee Jones is Family First Party lead candidate uh, for the Upper House. Let me just uh, go through some of those resources for listeners and especially Victorians to access some of the resources that will give you insight into what the Christian commentators are talking about. Uh, the Christian Values Checklist I mentioned earlier, christianvalues.org.au. And as we've been talking to Peter Stevens, there is a uh, compare the pair on the Family Voice Australia website, familyvoice.org.au, comparison between Dan Andrews and Matthew Guy. And there is the Australian Christian Lobby website, victoriavotes.org.au. There is some insight there into who the candidates with Christian faith are. There's commentary called The Truth About Daniel Andrews, and you can learn how the Victorian voting system works. So to the two of you, uh, to Lee Jones, Family First Party candidate, and to Peter Stevens, Family Voice Australia, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank Thanks, you, Neil. It's nice to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.